0: Psalm 65, 11. Listen to this translation. I haven't pulled this up all year. It's a good news translation. It says this. What a rich harvest your goodness provides. Wherever you go, there is plenty. The pastures are filled with flocks. The hillsides are full of joy. The fields are covered with sheep. The valleys are full of wheat. Everything shouts and sings for joy. Amen. Isn't that good? Yes. And uh, I just want to reiterate, you know, I, I don't say this every week, but uh, just so you know that we're still believing for a building for Rocky Mountain Family Church. You, you're believing with us? Six or seven of you, that's good. But, uh, and we're also believing that uh, we're going to build a building for our city as well. How many you know that God can walk and chew gum at the same time? All right, when we, I got back from Africa, I just felt like the Lord really put it on my heart that He says, I'm going to take your church on a journey to know me. And uh, so today, it's how do we see God? You know, I think most of the church around the world would say, yeah, I know God. We don't. We don't really know God. And uh, we know a little bit about God, but we don't know Him the way that He wants us to know Him. I could say I knew God years ago. I will say this. In the last two to four years, my life has been radically changed for the good. And, um, and it's just put a greater desire in my heart to know Him. And, uh, for example, I'm going I'm, I'm to say some things that... Uh, you know, we're probably going to have to get, you know, you go to these workplaces and they have this, uh, uh, are they called fibulators? What are they? Yeah, that's what they're called. But anyway, they're going to have a, a set hanging on there. Because, you know, when you start hearing some of the things I say, you know, sometimes uh, religious people, they're going to fall out. And so we just get those and go, clear. <laughs> Don't you love coming to church? all right good we're going to just open your eyes up more and more to see God in a different light I see God in a different light now than I've never have seen him before for example you know like the the most common story uh in the Bible is Adam and Eve and if we would say oh yeah Adam and Eve disobeyed God they sinned you know and they were you know it was really bad and they sinned and they really disobeyed God. But you really want to know what the root of that sin was? This this is just eye-opening. The root of their sin was that God had not provided everything for them. He was withholding something from them. Ah. Because The serpent, Satan, said, you know, God is withholding something from you. I mean, he doesn't want you to eat at this because you'd be like God. How many know they were pretty much like God? How many know that? So his whole point was to get Eve to convince her that God... Even though he's good, he's really not all that good because he's withholding something from you. That was the root of that sin. And I'm here to tell you, it's the same story that's going on in church today. This is going to be so good. (laughs) It's kind of like seeing a movie. You already know the end, but you're watching it with somebody who's never been there and you're just going, you're going to love it. Turn to somebody and say, you're going to love it. Some of you, that was faith, but anyway. So it wasn't uh, disobedience. It wasn't really the, uh, just they disobeyed God or whatever. That was the root of, of their sin. The root of their sin was that God was withholding something good from them. And it's still going on in the church today. The same lie. And people are being deceived in the same way. 2 Corinthians, Paul knew this. Chapter 11, verse 3, he says, I'm fearing lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Where are all of our needs met? Where is the goodness of God today? How has God provided all of his goodness? How has God provided everything today? It is in the simplicity that is in Christ our focus should be on Jesus but most of us our relationship and fellowship with God is based upon really our performance and what we do just a few years ago I'm talking four or five years ago maybe even less maybe three or four years ago that was my relationship with God you know, Greg Fritz, you know, he heard him preach. He's the only one I allow to call me Mikey. I call him Greggy, he, Gregory, and he calls me Mikey. We have this, I shouldn't even said that, because if you call me Mikey, I'm not going to answer. But anyway. I forgot what I was going to say about Greg. I know this. That if we think that... Us being accepted by God is based upon how good we've been. There's been times... Oh, this is what I was going to say. There's been so many times in my life that, you know, I I may have fasted that week. I mean, gave up food. Gave up ice cream. There's one time I gave up ice cream just once. There's one time I gave up ice cream for 30 days. Yeah, I thought Jesus should come after that. But anyway. (laughs) That was a major deal. But anyway... I love ice cream. And, you know, it's God, family, and ice cream. But uh, I was really praying and fasting, and I was just really getting a hold of God, you know. And, then, and there's been days, I've, weeks I've had like that as a pastor. But then there's been weeks as a pastor, I'm going to be real transparent before, in front of you. And uh, there's been weeks that I was busy. I didn't really read that much, didn't really pray that much, didn't really act holy that much. So I'm standing. This I remember standing in the old building back over there on Club Manor, and I'm standing on the front row, and everybody's singing, worshiping God. I got my hands up, but I'm not worshiping God. I'm repenting. I'm, I'm not repenting. I'm begging God, begging God, God. I haven't. I, I I don't have much to say today, and so I'm just saying, you know, have mercy on these people, please, because you know they came to hear you know a a message and I'm just you know I'm just sin on a popsicle stick today and so just have mercy on me you know have mercy on them amen you know what I was saying I was saying that Jesus I'm not going to depend upon you I should be depending upon what Mike has done and what Mike can do how much I, I I'm doing instead of depending upon you I shouldn't be dependent upon Mike any time. You shouldn't be dependent upon yourself any time. But we do when it comes to walking with God. We depend upon how well we perform. If I were to say, "Don't answer me," but if I would say, "Do you think you're pleasing to God all the time?" The majority of the church not. Rocky Mountain Family Church, the majority of church around the world would say, No, no, i i no, no, nope, don't think I'm pleasing to God, and what would be their reasoning for saying that? It's because they mess up, they sin we do I do I'm not perfect, I know not perfect I said this last Wednesday there, there's only I said there's only two or three people on the planet that think Mike can do no wrong I thought about that more there's really only one I was I was deceiving myself there's only, so there's only one somebody says who is it I can't tell you but anyway but then you know what the Lord says he says I think you can do no wrong Mike I just thought I, that's hard to believe it's hard to believe God because you know I sin I mess up God so you're telling me that I can do no wrong he says yep you can do no wrong I'm getting ahead of myself it's John 16 I believe 28 the amplified version look at John 16 is it the amplified or the is that right John 16 28 look what it says that's There it is. What are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we? No, that's not it. 2 Corinthians 5.19. I did this the first service. And I lied because I told him I'd do a lot better job the second service. See, I've already lied. But anyway, 2 Corinthians 5.19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Who was he reconciling the world to? All right. No longer... Can we just read that all together when I say three? No long, to the end of the period. Ready? One, two, three. No longer counting people's sins against them. We're going to read it one more time. I'm going to count to three. You listen to what you're reading. Count to three. One, two, three. No longer counting people's sins against them. Do you know what that means? It means that God's no longer counting your sins against you. You have to have help to misunderstand that. So I just want to make sure you understood that. So I just read it again. God is not up in heaven. See, I thought this years ago. I thought that God had a list. And it had Mike Davis at the top. And then there was a scroll with everything that I would do wrong. It was a long, 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 long scroll. I mean, we probably went from here to Chicago. probably had to tell Michael we're out of paper but this is what he's saying I don't do that Mike God is not counting your he's not making a list he's not Santa Claus making a list checking it twice he is not now listen to me is it okay to sin of course it's not sin has consequences it does but as far as God sees you he doesn't see your sin does he know when you sin well, duh he's God yeah he does but he has cho- if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ if you're saved born again what he is saying in the scripture right here is that you, I'm not counting any sin that you ever do wrong I'm not keeping a list as far as me and you are concerned you're perfect before me why is that important how you see God. Because if you think God is mean towards you when you do wrong, or he cuts you off. Because see, I used to think that, I used to think this big time. If I sin, God just, oh man, where, he turned his back against me. I believe he turned his back if I did wrong. So now I would have to, to make sure to get his favor, I got to get him turned back around. I'm just saying this, if you don't think Jesus got him turned around, you ain't going to get him turned around. Are you hearing me? I pray that God is going to help all of us to see this. Because listen, if our relationship, if our relationship with God is built around whether we do good or whether we don't, or whether we should do good or the good that we do and we don't do it, if that's it, you know what happens? We bring that same mentality into our relationships with one another. So, now, if you perform good, you'll be my best friend. My wife, if she does everything right, we have a great marriage. But if you mess up and you mistreat me, you burn the toast. I'm just saying. You know what I've observed? It's just observant. The grace message that I've been preaching... It's easier for people to receive, generally speaking, who were not raised in a rigid type fashion or a legalistic, military type atmosphere. Everybody smile because I don't know how you were raised. If you're if you were raised with a very strictness. It seems that those people, just generally speaking, now you can, I'm not saying, well, I was and I'm not like that. Well, that's good. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> but my point is this if you were raised with, you, you, you did good and your parents accept you, if you did everything on the list, and, and because listen, from the day you and I were born, we are indoctrinated, we are indoctrinated that our lives are based around performance, whether we're accepted or whether we do good. When you're a kid, you do everything. You make up your bed. I mean, mean, you do this, check. You, uh, you, you, You brush your teeth, check. And you do that, check, 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 check. And if you didn't, everything wasn't acceptable between you and your parents. Then you go to school. What's school based around? Performance. You perform well, you get an A. Perform average, get a C. Don't perform at all, you flunk. Then you get a job. Woo. You get a job. You get a job. If you do well, you get a promotion. If you go in there and tell your boss, you know, my pastor's been preaching grace, so I just slept in today. (laughs) So that's why I was an hour and a half late. He's going to look at you. He says, well, I hope you believe in grace for the rest of the week because you're going to have plenty of time sleeping in from now on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So grace, uh, but we are performance driven from birth all the way through and this is a problem we take that same mentality into the kingdom listen to me now listen to me we take that same mentality into the kingdom of God whether or not God accepts us based upon our performance when all along we know that the only way for us to get saved the only way for us to get saved is what? believe upon God and thou shalt be saved. It's not anything that I could do or not do. It's not I can't get good enough. You know, I'm, when I get good enough, I'll come to your church, pastor. Well, then just stay home because you ain't going to get good enough as far as the devil's concerned. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's why God is saved. But I'm amazed that how religion has taught us that after we got saved, it's not just Jesus. It's based upon our performance and how good we do and how good we live. Because most people think that, you know, what God will use, well, pastor, God uses you because, you know, you're, you probably live a better life than me, and you're probably holier than me. And I told the first, first service, I thought, well, you just don't know me. If you knew me, you may not even want to come to this church. You probably think, wow, he lives like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty human. Put my pants on. I used to think that, man, if I could have a couple angels just slide my pants on in the morning, man, I've, ooh, i feel pretty high up. That was a joke. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a bad joke, obviously. But anyway, my point is this. We're all just if God, listen to me, if God requires a perfect vessel for him to flow through, nothing's going to ever flow because there's not one person like that on the planet. There is no one like that. And yet what the church has tried to do is you need to become that. You need to work harder at it. And if you fail at that, we'll just keep trying, keep trying. Our goal is to keep trying and work harder to be more perfect next week than than we are this week. You will ultimately fail every time and then you have guilt and condemnation and you feel like God is not accepting you anymore because of your performance level. Just like everything else on this planet. God doesn't work by performance. He works according to Jesus. He works according to Jesus. Do you realize that God accepted Jesus before he did anything? At 30 years of age, you remember the story? He's getting ready to get baptized with John the Baptist. John's going to baptize him. He baptizes him, and all of a sudden, there was a loud voice from heaven that said, what? Do you remember what it said? God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't performed one miracle, hadn't preached one sermon. He hadn't did anything for the kingdom of God. And Jesus or God told him, you're my beloved son and I am well pleased with you today. He didn't perform or do anything. That was God speaking to his son. God still speaks that to his son who lives in you and me today. And so what I'm telling you today, if you're born again, God every day of your life will say, "This is my daughter. This is my son, in whom I am well pleased today." Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. I'm telling you, Second John three three. It says this in the Passion Translation, "And all who focus their hope on, on who, yeah. who's the hymn." Jesus. Focus their hope on Jesus will always be purifying themselves, Jesus, just as Jesus is pure. But we try to purify ourselves by focusing on our self. You'll never be able to do that. The only way to purify to live in the purity that God has given you and me is to focus on Jesus. You know, in James, people if they read the book of James, and they if you're not careful, you have you have to read James through the eyes of grace and what Jesus has done through the cross we don't translate the bible through the finished work of Jesus we translate the bible through uh the old testament and what was taught to us and doctrines and religions of man we have all that inside of us and then when we read something such as James, James, he focuses on like, you, "If I'll show you my works, I'll show you my works, and I'll show you this. And, and he says, you need to look into the perfect law of liberty. You need to make sure, be a doer of the word. If you're doing all, that, if you read that and you think, dear Lord, that's, I, I, I'm falling way short of that. But what is the perfect law of liberty? What is it, first of all? It's the word of God. The word. In John chapter one verse one, it says this: that the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. So the Word and Jesus, they are the same. Is everybody on the same page? The Word and Jesus, they're the exact same thing. So when James says you need to look into the Word, and look into the mirror, and not forget, don't forget what you look like. You know, you look into the mirror, you go, oh man, what what are you looking for to see if anything's messed up? You know, your hair. You know, and you just, that's the best I can do. Okay, we're good. (laughs) You look to see if there's anything wrong. You look to see what you look like. You look into the mirror to see what you look like. What James is saying is, I want you to look into the word of God and see what you look like. Well, when you look into the word, I always used to read the Bible to see where I'm falling short. What I need to do that I'm not doing. Oh, I'm not doing this. And so that's why I was reading the word. Did you know it's the wrong way to read the word? James says you need to look into the perfect law of liberty to see what you look like. And so this is what God is saying. When you look into the word and the word is Jesus, you need to see what you look like. So this is what you look like. This is what you look like. But most of us don't look into the perfect law of liberty and see Jesus. We see, we look and focus on us. Oh, this is good. We look and see us. And God says, if you're looking just to see you, you're always going to come up short. You're never going to be good enough. We're never going to be good enough. Are you perfect every day? I can answer that, and I don't even know you. No, no, no. (laughs) First of all, the Bible says, he who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. I have a feeling that's like an everyday occurrence. (laughs) I'm just saying, without even knowing you. So what is my point? The point is not looking at your weakness, but to look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. We don't focus on Jesus because if we focus on him, it will transform your life. God, listen to me, is not interested in behavior modification. Amen. What is that? I'm going to work harder. I'm going to discipline. I'm going to have tenacity to change my, the way that I act I'm in the way that I behave. I'm just going to work on that. As long as you can be tenacity, which will only last for a time. That's how your walk with God will be. And that's not what God is saying. He's interested in only one thing, transformation. When did that happen? When you got born again at the cross. You got transformed. Second Corinthians five seventeen: He that is born again is a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. That's transformation. That's the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. That's the only thing God's interested in. And if you understand how much God loves you, and if you understand that he is a good God, you will walk out the transformed life. And it won't be by your strength. It'll be by his grace. But as long, listen to me. The church has been lied to just like Adam and Eve had. That God is withholding something from them. And so I have to exert myself to fill that void. Man, I did that a lot. I got to exert myself to fill the void that God, you know, because, you know, there's something void in my life, and so, or I'm falling weak or I'm falling short, so I got to exert, I got to put some self effort into this. Bless God. Hallelujah. And you know what? You know what that's called? Self righteousness. Self-righteousness is your way to get to God. Man's way to get to God. Is there any such thing? Is that, could that ever happen, by the way? No. Is that happening all around the world in churches and, and synagogues and in, my, I mean, you name it. It's man's way to get to God. It's called a stench to God. That's why he had so many problems with Pharisees, Sadducees, and all the CC people. I mean, because they couldn't see They couldn't see anything. So my point is, how do you see God? Do you see God as somebody who's keeping a list? Do you see God as as somebody who's expecting a perfection out of you? Because if that's the way you see God, that's probably how you're going to treat people. I got your attention? It's probably how you're going to treat people. Pretty important how we see God and all of a sudden. How you treat your spouse, how you treat your friends, how you treat your kids. Because if you think, listen to me, if you think God is all about performance, that's how your relationships is going to be on this planet. It's all about performance. If As long as you're doing great, we're good buddies. You do something, you mistreat me or you do something wrong, you lie about me, we're done. We're done. I'm telling you, Done. I'm just saying, that's not the way God treats you. He doesn't see or count your sin against you. Everybody say, that's good news. news. 1 John 3, 2. You know, I talked, when we first started this, I said, man, I just want to fall more and more in love with Jesus. And I gave the illustration about me and Melody, and everybody went, ah. I know, it was disgusting. But anyway, um, But I was putting, it's a two-way thing. I, I didn't want people to think that my relationship with God was based upon just me pursuing him. Did you know? That's not what I was trying to mean at all. The point is this. God, every day of your life, is trying to win you over. Like some guy chasing a woman, you know. I did did try to win Melody. I tried to, you know, I told her what I did in the Air Force, you know. It was a very dangerous job. I could have died. Yeah, that's about the same response I got from her, too. A couple of laughs, but what, what I was trying to do is woo her over. I was trying to win her over. I was pulling all the feathers out of every cat because <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't have the time of day. She'd just look at me and go, oh, okay, whatever. And I go, this is not working. <laughs> but I was trying to win her over. Did you know God is doing the same thing to you and me every day? He's trying to woo you, He's trying to win you over. He's doing. I mean, he's pulling all the stops. He's trying to do everything because he, for God so loved the world that he gave. He's only. He loves you and me, and he's doing everything, every day of your life, to woo you over. But this is the problem. 1 John three two. Are you ready, beloved? What's that word? Now are we the children of God? And has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Now stop right there. Go back. Stop that's there's something that's going to be revealed it's in our future now if you're not careful you think it's everything but it's the one of the biggest thing is one thing you're not going to get on this planet is a new body it's kind of a bum deal I know but we're going to get a new body when you get to heaven a new body but that's not today so everything's not going to be revealed I mean that you're going to be that you're going to be okay next part but we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He's saying here that the more that you see Jesus, the more that he's revealed to you, the more you're going to realize and understand how much you and two are the same. You didn't get that. It's okay, they didn't get it at the first service either, but anyway. Anyway. Let's read it again. When he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What he's saying here is the way for you to know and understand Jesus is not just to when you get to heaven, when you're going to see him, then you'll know who you really are in Christ. He said the more that you see Jesus, the more that you're going to know who you are. And it's revealed to you. So if you wait to get to... There's going to be some people who get to heaven. They're going to be shocked out of their britches, man. I mean, because they think, that's me? I didn't know that's me when you see Jesus. He's saying when you see Jesus, the more it's going to be revealed who you are. The point is, we don't have to wait to see Jesus when we get to heaven. Mmm. How you see God today, how you are perceiving Jesus today will change your life to where you can have victory just like Jesus said. Jesus said this, the works that I do shall you do also. How is that possible with you, when you look at me and you look at you you go, well, I just fall short of being perfect. How can I lay hands on the sick and how can I do miracles? Jesus said, you're gonna do miracles just like I do, like I do. That's what Jesus said. How can that be? Because you see him instead of you seeing you. You look into a mirror, you don't see Mike and all of his weaknesses and all his faults. You see Jesus. That's Jesus in that mirror right there. Woo, it's, ooh, Jesus. When that happens, guess what? When I lay hands on people to pray for them to get healed, it's not like, okay, I gotta get my faith up. I gotta, ooh, come on, come on, come on, come on, Mike. You can do this, you can do it. No, you ain't, man. You are sin on a popsicle stick. You ain't gonna do squat. But if I have the different mentality, it's like, Jesus is laying his hands on you today, brother. He's laying his hands on you. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not me. But if you focus, the devil will look at you and go, man, you sinned this week. You ain't going to be able to heal a fly or a natter. You can't even heal nothing. You go, absolutely, I cannot heal anything. Well, you really messed up. I did. I really, I'm glad you pointed that out, devil. Man, I really screwed up bad this week. Not just, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't just Monday. It was Tuesday as well. And Wednesday. Woo, Thursday was a real bad day. Friday, not so good either. Saturday, Sunday, (laughs) that's seven days in a row. I'm glad you pointed all that out, Satan. That's why I have a Savior. His name is Jesus, and my focus is on him, and that's who God sees in me. He sees Christ in me, the hope of glory. He doesn't see Mike in his weaknesses. He doesn't see Mike in his sin. Does he know when I sin? Absolutely, but he's not counting any of my sin against me. He is looking at Christ in me, and I please him because of Jesus. You've got to believe that you please God because of Jesus. I please God every day of my life. You need to have that thought in your mind every day this week. That's your homework for next Sunday. I'm going to ask him if you did it. I please Jesus today. Woo, I please God today. My God, my Father is so pleased with me today. He is so pleased with me today. He is just so pleased, man. Do you think that would help your faith? Do you think that would help you be more cheerful in life? Do you think that would help you treat your wife better? That was a good time for the women to go. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. Well, not so much, but anyway. If you... knew that God was so pleased with you every day of your life it will change how you treat people it will there's some people that are just irritable all the time and I truly believe that they think God is irritable with them all the time I mean it's like irritable bowel syndrome for the whole human race man I mean nothing I don't know why I said that I have no idea but I mean Everybody thinks they're just, we're just irritable. And the world is just, everybody's mad at everybody. The whole world's mad at everybody. And God's up in heaven saying, this is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son. I am so pleased. I love you so much. I'm pleased with you today. If that revelation got to the church, not the world, just the church. If it got to the church, this planet would be changed. This planet would be changed if the church would just start functioning in in the realm of seeing Jesus instead of in the realm of seeing us. I'm just carnal. Yeah, Jesus knew that. Well, I just mess up a lot. Yeah, God knew that too. But I can seem to never be perfect. I can never get it right. Yeah, I think God knew that. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why you and I need a Savior. Every day of our life, we need to focus on Jesus. When He is revealed, when He is revealed to us. John fourteen eleven says this. Because I used to think that, man, as a church, we just need to be doing more works. We need to see more works. We just got to get this works thing going and this is what God says about the works believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves most surely I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do that's the wrong one John it's the one did you figure it out? It's the one that says, um, this is the work to believe on Him. Was that the Amplified of John 16? John 6, 28. Paul took notes in the first service. Paul, can you do this every week? (laughs) (laughs) And see, some people think I'm perfect. Okay, not too many people, but anyway. uh, Matter of fact, nobody. But then... They then said, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? Sounds like a lot of questions the church asks today. All right. What are we to carry out what God requires? Jesus replied, this is the work. Okay, here we go. This is the work. Everybody ready for the work? This is the work. The service that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. So when people say, you know, we need to be doing the works of God, just ask them, so what are the works of God? Well, you know, we need to make sure we feed the poor. We need to make sure the homeless, the helpless, the uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing these works. And you go, no, 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 no. There's only one work that we're supposed to be doing. What is it? Believe on who? Jesus. Jesus. This is the work of God. So when somebody says, we need to be doing the works of God, you have the answer. Try to remember it a lot better than me. John 6, 28, 29. This is the work of God, to believe on him whom he sent, Jesus. So when you want to say, I just need to be doing the works of God, you go, no, 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 I'm believing on Jesus. That is the work of God. How many think that's pretty simple? How many think that's going to set you free of all guilt Of all condemnation, of any bondage that the devil has held the church. He's held the church captive. I'm telling you, he's held the church captive for a lack of knowledge. He's deceived the church. That God is withholding, just like Adam and Eve. God's withholding something, you know. It it just, but just keep struggling. Keep struggling. Working for God. Just keep struggling. You know, kind of like the Nemo, the the, the fish that could keep swimming, keep swimming, keep struggling, keep struggling. Is that the way that God wants you to have a relationship with Him? I'm telling you, every day of our life, every day of our life, God wants you to know and he's wooing you over that he loves you and that he's pleased with you just because you are his child, not based upon anything that you can do, haven't done, will do, or won't do. Does that just sound, does that make your mind go tilt? It should. But you have to renew your mind because we are raised in a performance life. Everything is performance in our life. Everything from birth on, it's performance. And if you don't perform, you're going to get fired. If you don't perform, you know, your wife's going to divorce you. If you don't put, everything's on performance. And so we think God is the same way. And so he's going to turn his back and we're not going to be pleasing to him. It's a lie. The church is being deceived. The church is being deceived. I know some of you may be struggling. Just keep chewing. You chew for a long time, it eventually go down. Kind of like meat in Africa. You know, you just keep, it's tough. So you, you just have to chew it 432 times and eventually you can swallow it. It's the same way with this message because the church is not swallowing this. We're thinking that it's based upon if we're good or not. We're thinking that. We think that God really truly doesn't accept us if we, if we don't do right. I'm telling you that is not God's mentality. I'm here <laughs> I'm here to do, say it every way backwards and forwards and sideways to let you know that God loves you and it, when you grab a hold of the love of God it won't be behavior modification it will be transformation and now You'll be able to live as a king and a priest. What you've been meant and able to do this whole time. But you didn't know it. You will know whom you are and who you are in Christ. And you won't have to wait till resurrection day or seeing Jesus face to face. You can see him today now. Now are we the children of God. Not going to be now. Now. We are the children of God now. Which means I am who he says I am. And when I look into the mirror... When I look into the mirror of the Word of God, that's who I'm going to see. I'm going to start seeing Jesus from now on. I'm not going to see Mike Davis and his carnality, his weaknesses, his faults, and his sins. I'm going to start seeing, that's me right there. Woo! Yep, that's me. You know, when you look at a photograph of a bunch of people, uh, uh, you know, your family, your relatives, family, what's the first thing you do? There I am right there. (laughs) You don't say that in front of anybody. Oh, let me see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. What are you doing the whole time? You're finding you. You're finding you. You're finding you. Before your wife even, you're going to find you. Right there I am. Where are you? Right there. Right there I am. I'm right there. That's what you need to be doing to the Word of God. Where are you? I'm in Christ. My sins aren't getting counted against me. I've been made the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Whatever I put my hand to prospers. I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed 100%. I am whole. I prosper going in. I prosper coming out. I find myself in there, and that's that's what God wants you to do. Find yourself. And when you find yourself, your old self gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And when the devil starts pointing you out, you go, you're looking at the wrong one. That's not me. This is me. You have the wrong photograph of me, Satan. Let me show you a photograph of me. This is me. This is Mike. He's precious in God's sight. He's the apple of his eye. Satan will leave the room when you start talking like that. And guess what else will leave? Guilt, condemnation, fear that God's going to get you. Yeah, God got me 2,000 years ago. And he's never let go of me. Amen? Is this sinking in? Are you getting this? I want you to dwell on that though. This week, you dwell on that you're pleasing to God. That you are somebody to God. Especially after you sin big time. You know why? Because you start thinking like this, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, your life will be you'll walk more with God than you ever thought or dreamed of. Because I used to I used to be performance driven. I have a, a little streak in my back of, uh, comp, uh, of uh, what is it, competitiveness. My secretary knows. My family knows. I've ch- I'm a changed man now, though. I'm I'll tell one funny story. It's terrible. It's horrible. This is one of those things, if you know about your pastor, you may quit his church. Danielle was about seven, eight, nine. I don't know how old she was. We were running through City Park. She was chasing me. I was getting tired, so I went ran through the, the playground area. You know, the merry-go-round, the, is it called the merry-go-round? So I ran through it, and I turned around, and she was running through it, coming toward me. So I just flung it. Busted her head. Yeah, my wife wasn't happy. She saw the whole thing, unfortunately. Big goose head came out on her head. She didn't catch me. My wife caught me, though. But that was the competitiveness in me. I mean, because I was so tired. I was done running, but I just didn't want her to catch me anymore. I go, I'm putting an end to this. I spun that thing around so hard. And she, of course, she she didn't expect that. So she went flying. Why did I tell that? The competitiveness in me to perform and to win at all costs. Listen to me. To win at all costs. To win at all costs. And you think, did you really do that? (laughs) Don't bring it up to my wife. You can talk to my daughter. Do not bring that up with my wife. Because you'll see. (laughs) She'll probably go, yes, I do. She'll burn something next meal. because. But my point is this. If you are that way. It's because that I saw God that he wanted perfection out of me. He wanted perfection out of me. And so that's the way I reacted. I dare say there's some reactions and perceptions in your life because how you see God is wrong. Let's stand.